Dear Great Pumpkin, I'm looking forward to your arrival on Halloween night. I hope you will bring me lots of presents. Who are you writing to, Linus? This is the time of year to write to the Great Pumpkin. On Halloween night, the Great Pumpkin rises out of his pumpkin patch and flies through the air with his bag of toys for all the children. You must be crazy. When are you going to stop believing in something that isn't true? When you stop believing in that fellow with the red suit and the white beard who goes ho, ho, ho. We are obviously separated by denominational differences. You must get discouraged because more people believe in Santa Claus than in you. Well, let's face it, Santa Claus has had more publicity. But being number two, perhaps you try harder. Not again! Writing a letter to a stupid pumpkin? You make me the laughing stock of the neighborhood. All they talk about is my little brother, who always writes to the great pumpkin. You better cut it out right now or I'll pound you. There are three things I have learned never to discuss with people. Religion, politics, and the great pumpkin. You're wasting your time. The great pumpkin is a fake. Everyone tells me you are a fake, but I believe in you. P.S. If you really are a fake, don't tell me. I don't want to know. What are you doing, Linus? I'd rather not say. You might laugh. Oh, I never laugh at you, Linus. You're so intelligent. I'm writing to the Great Pumpkin. You say the cutest things. On Halloween night, the Great Pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch. And it flies through the air to bring toys to all the good little children everywhere. Wouldn't you like to sit with me in the pumpkin patch on Halloween night and wait for the Great Pumpkin? When it comes to Halloween entertainment, there is a piece of media that explains its adjective rating in its title. A special that is looked forward to by countless people of all races, genders, age, and walks of life. Truth. This is the story of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. This is Toys R Us. Monster. It's the most fun in the park. When you're laughing in the dark. That began the nightmare on my street. Weezy. It's just a day, isn't it? The Adams family. Tears <laughs> from the crypt. Say he's tired of his flaming top. He's got a yen to make a swap. So he rides one night each year to find a head in the hollow here. Anything can happen on Halloween. I'll put a spell on you. If you're hearing this, well, you've done it. You survived the 13 days of Halloween. Congratulations. Today is my personal favorite day of the year. Me too. A day where you aren't judged for being different. Nope. 
A day where everyone and everything is spooky. And for once, that's okay. It's not easy being a weirdo. No. But Halloween kind of takes the edge off. Yeah. Then you can hork a ridiculous amount of candy in your gullet. Or just be an adult and do it all year. Oh, yeah. Like me. And me. Hmm. You gotta do it, you know? Yeah. You only got one life. Might as well have some fun doing it. That's true. Unless you're a werewolf vampire bat. That's true. I need to commission somebody to draw that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to fucking see that. I got just the guy. Oh? I do. I know a guy. I know I a, a fucking guy. guy. I know a fucking guy. You want a guy to fucking draw the spookies? Yeah. I know a fucking guy, okay? He's real spookies. fucking spookies, man. Real goddamn spooky guy. Really goddamn spooky. Real fucking spooky guy, this guy. This guy. He's uh, he's like, hey, I got two tickets for The Exorcist. And I'm like, nah, I don't want to see that shit. Yeah, you're too spooky for okay? me. Okay, it's too spooky, man. I, listen, okay? I know the priest is Italian. And his mother... I know she said some shit to him in the movie. I heard this. Yeah. I'm not seeing it. Okay? Why you do this to me, damn it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to fucking do it, okay? <laughs> Ma! No, Ma! There's this weird fucking cat outside. <laughs> yes. Welcome to our celebration of being that spooky weirdo. This is the Toys R Us podcast. A podcast that tugs on the heartstrings of nostalgia and fills your brain with the knowledge of why those strings are so easily pulled. My name is Richard Hunt, and with me as always is my cousin and co-host, Brian Muth. Hi, everybody. Brian. Yes, sir. It's Halloween. Fuck yes, it is. And somewhere, decades ago, a group of children are awaiting the arrival of today's topic, the Great Pumpkin. That's right. That being said, are you ready to find out why it's so great? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Just gather around and I'll elucidate on what goes on outside when it gets late. We start our story on October 27th, 1966. Where we meet back up with Lee Mendelssohn and Charles Schultz. Oh, Chucky boy. Mm-hmm. It's been about a year since we saw him. Yep. Uh, the pair was under immense stress. Huge. Trying to one-up themselves on the heels of last year's Charlie Brown Christmas. Tough act to follow. Very tough act. They said, if we can't get another blockbuster, and they kept using that word, if we can't use, if we can't get another biggie like a Charlie Brown Christmas that can run every year, not just once or twice, then that'll be it for us, Lee told NPR. Man, if only they knew. I know, dude. Uh, its initial broadcast took place on October 27th, 1966, on CBS, preempting My Three Sons. Oh, got him. Right? The original sponsors were Coca-Cola, uh, who were the original sponsor of A Charlie Brown Christmas, and the Dolly Madison brand of baked snack foods. Oh, yeah. Which would go on to be a longtime co-sponsor of the Peanut Specials on CBS. CBS re-aired the special annually through through 2000, with ABC picking up the rights beginning in 2001, where it now airs annually during the Halloween season. Mm, Right where it belongs. The program was nominated for a 1966 Emmy Award, and it has been issued on home video several times, including a remastered deluxe edition uh, of the special released by Warner Home Video on September 2nd, 2008. Baller. 
With the bonus feature, it's Magic Charlie Brown. To celebrate its 40th anniversary, a retrospective book was published in 2006. It's The Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown, The Making of a Television Classic, which includes the entire script, never-before-seen never photo- uh, photographs, storyboard excerpts, and interviews with the original child actors who provided the voices of the Peanuts gang. See, I bet that'd be fun. I like, love shit like, like that, like a man. script to follow along with. Hell yeah. That'd be, that'd be a neat thing to do. Like my signed script of The Room. Oh, that's baller. Which also came with a personalized uh, Tommy Wiseau headshot, also <laughs> autographed. <laughs> Says Rick, yeah, that, that's, love is blind. <laughs> that's the most Tommy Wiseau thing ever. Oh, and also a pair of underwear. Oh. Yeah. The undies. Yeah. <laughs> You couldn't see it, but I made the blowjob face from from the room. Uh, The plot goes as follows. With fall in full swing, the Peanuts gang prepares for Halloween. In the cold open, Linus and Lucy go out to the local pumpkin patch to find a pumpkin. Lucy selects the largest they can find and uh, makes poor Linus the one to get to carry it back to the house. He becomes, I know, he becomes distraught when it turns out Lucy is going to gut it to be a jack-o'-lantern. After the opening credits, Snoopy helps Charlie Brown finish breaking a pile of leaves, but then Linus jumps into the heap with a, uh, with a large lollipop. Lucy, enti- uh, Lucy entices Charlie Brown to kick a football with the usual results. Linus is writing his yearly letter to the Great Pumpkin. Despite Charlie Brown's disbelief, Snoopy's laughter and Patty's assurance that the Great Pumpkin is fake, and even his own sister, Lucy, who threatens to pound him. Jeez. Yeah. We got gaslighting and domestic violence. Yeah. Great themes. Yeah. One, only, Sally, uh, only Sally, Charlie Brown's younger sister, smitten with Linus, supports him, until Charlie Brown takes her away. Linus goes out to mail the letter, but cannot reach the mailbox. Lucy refuses to help him, so he lassos the mailbox handle with his security blanket, opening the box... To waft in the letter. Lucy's a jerk. Lucy's a dick. Seriously. Charlie Brown gets invited to a Halloween party hosted by Violet. Neither Charlie Brown nor Lucy can believe his invitation. As he breaks out into the happy dance. Yeah. You know. She assumes it's a mistake. On Halloween night, the gang, including Sally, goes trick-or-treating. Each with their own costume. Most dress as a ghost in simple white sheet costumes. Charlie Brown uh, botches his costume, giving it way too many eyes <laughs> because of his trouble with the scissors. Yeah. Pigpen's trademark dust cloud makes him easy to identify. Lucy dresses as a witch, saying it is the opposite of her real personality. Okay. Yeah. On the way, they stop at the pumpkin patch to jeer at Linus for missing the festivities, just as he did the previous year. Undeterred, Linus is convinced that the Great Pumpkin will come to his sincere pumpkin patch, and tries to convince Sally to join him. Sally, acting almost entirely on her infatuation with Linus, agrees to skip trick-or-treating. During trick-or-treats, the kids get their goodies, except for Charlie Brown, who is, from every house is given a rock. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know. Racks. Racks. You got a fucking rack in my fucking bag, guy. Eh? You got these racks in my shoes. I got these rocks, man! <laughs> I'll trick or treat. I got these rocks, man. Nice. It's been a while. It has been. It's been yeah. a fucking while. After going back to the pumpkin patch to tease Linus and Sally, the gang goes to Violet's Halloween party. Violet and Lucy ask Charlie Brown to serve as their model, initially to his delight, then dismay as he learns the real reason why he why he was invited. 
The back of his round, bald head made the perfect sur- surface to diagram potential jack-o'-lantern designs on it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Snoopy, wearing his World War One flying ace costume, climbs about his doghouse. Um, Smart dog! To fight with the Red Baron. You know. Yeah, the usual. After a fierce but losing battle, Snoopy makes his way across the countryside to briefly crash the Halloween party. Sneaking into an apple bobbing tank, he accidentally kisses Lucy when she picks up an apple. Whoops. Disgusting her and sending her into the same circling frenzy as she did on a Charlie Brown Christmas. Then he is entertained by Shorter's playing of World War One tunes on his piano. Though the sad songs make him cry. Embarrass, Snoopy leaves. <laughs> Linus and Sally are still in the pumpkin patch when Linus sees a shadowy figure rising from the moonlight patch, or from the moonlit patch. He assumes the great pumpkin is there and faints. Sally sees it as only Snoopy. When Linus awakes, she furiously yells at him for making her miss the Halloween festivities when Charlie Brown and the others come to get her. As they leave, Linus, still convinced that the great pumpkin will materialize, promises to put in a good word for them if he comes. He then panics as he had said if instead of when. Ooh. At 4 o'clock the next morning, Lucy realizes that Linus is not in his bed. She finds her brother in the pumpkin patch, shivering in his clothes, huddled under his blanket, and half asleep. She brings him home, takes off his shoes, and puts him in bed. When daylight comes, Charlie Brown and Linus lean against a wall to commiserate about the previous night's disappointments. Charlie Brown attempts to console his friend by saying that he has done stupid things in his life, too. <laughs> this infuriates Linus, who begins to vow that the Great Pumpkin will come to the Pumpkin Patch next year. Charlie Brown listens with an annoyed look on his face as the credits roll. Hmm. He's done some stupid things. He continues to do stupid things. She's always going to pull the football, dude. Always. Always. Forever. Uh, if Charlie Brown was in modern times, Charlie Brown would be an incel. Yeah. <laughs> he would eventually just get fed up and be like, no. All women are like this. Yeah, he, he'd go straight MGTOW. Yes, <laughs> yes. The music was performed by, once again, the Vince Guaraldi uh, trio, only this time there were a sextet. So in a year, that's what, three more people they picked up? Yep. Uh, the lively instrumental Linus and Lucy, associated originally with the Charlie Brown Christmas, is used at the beginning of this cartoon as Linus and Lucy prepare to... Or prepare a pumpkin to be a jack-o'-lantern. As Linus mails his letter to the Great Pumpkin, and when, Li- when Lucy wakes up at 4 a.m. to take Linus home from the pumpkin patch. Geraldi's, Geraldi's theme for the special, The Great Pumpkin Waltz, is first heard when Linus is writing The Great Pumpkin at the beginning and plays throughout. Other songs p- composed by Geraldi for this insp- for the special include Breathless, Graveyard Theme, Trick or Treat, The Red Baron, and Fanfare. The World War I songs played by Schroeder while Snoopy dances are It's a Long Way to Tippery, there's a long, long trail. Pack up your troubles in your old kit bag and roses of Picardy. Hmm. Those behind the Great Pumpkin believe the show to be one of their best ever, on par with the famed Peanuts Brilliant. Holiday Special, 1965's Charlie Brown Christmas. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It is on par for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, my favorite Peanuts piece of media is from 1978. Yeah. It is called What a Nightmare, Charlie Brown. Oh, how am I not familiar with this? Basically, the rundown of it is Snoopy eats a fuckload of food and <laughs> it puts him into like a nightmare coma <laughs> where he where he dreams about being a uh, sled dog. Oh, wow. 
And so, like, the first few days, he doesn't get to eat because the other actual sled dogs are fucking wolves and steal his food. Wow. Eventually, he, like, gets pissed and, like, makes himself look bigger than he is (laughs) and goes and steals the food and water. Fucking And then they respect him. But I'm just like, oh, okay. It's, it's, It's honestly, like, one of the best just animated specials in and of itself. I have to check that out. It's it's not on YouTube. It's on uh, DailyMotion.com. Okay. This is something like timeless, you know? It really is. Wow, he's going full Rigby. Yeah, he's making fun. In the special, he makes Rupert Floats pizzas, milkshakes. Nice. I mean, who doesn't like milkshakes? I know. They bring all the boys to the yard. They, they do. And damn right. <laughs> it's better than yours. <laughs> Look, I can treat you. Treat, treat. I can teach you. But, but you I'd, have, I'd have to fucking charge. Yeah. You know? Well, for such a comprehensive education, I don't blame you. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's an elaborate course. It is. Lots uh, of homework. Animator Bill Bill Melendez did a very beautiful job with the watercolors emphasizing the fall season, says Mendelssohn. The fact that he had Snoopy finally climbing the doghouse as an airplane, the jokes about dropping rocks in poor Charlie Brown's trick-or-treat bag, and Vince Guaraldi's music, of course, I think all of those are why The Great Pumpkin gets the same high rating as Christmas show every year. Yeah, I get that. Gene Schultz, wife to the late Charles Schultz, would say that the success of The Great Pumpkin is largely due to the continuity between the classic comic strip illustrations by her husband, whom she calls Sparky. Sparky. Animator Bill Melendez's depictions of the beloved characters. The pictures are fun to look at, even when they're moving across the screen, she says. They're appealing, they're funny, and it's that. It's a simple story, but it's also the beauty of the actual drawings. Because really, they did put a lot of fucking attention they to really detail, did. You know? I mean, jeez. There's a real beauty in what people saw when they saw it on the TV, adds Karen Johnson, director of the Charles M. Schultz Museum, and the cartoonist longtime home of Santa Rosa. The colors, the bright green and the orange and black and the yellows, they really draw you in. It's a beauty in its simplicity. Yeah. It's a cornucopia yeah. of all great things. You there know? you go. But for millions of children who watch the program every year, it comes down to more than pretty pictures. It's also about the timeless storyline, anchored by one simple, age-defying concept, hope. Young Linus's firm belief in the existence and impending appearance of the elusive Grey Pumpkin helps him dismiss the doubts of his friends and firmly grasp onto his beliefs. He develops a steadfast, unwavering faithfulness to which people continue to relate, even on the program's 50th anniversary. People hold on to that value, Johnson says. From a philosophical and emotional point of view, people attach to that, and that's the whole sweetness of it. That's about the friendship and the loyalty to each other and believing in something bigger than yourself. Those are the universal appeals of it. I was going to say, yeah, that's that's like all the ingredients of a good religion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An actual good religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
However, the Great Pumpkin was never purposefully intended to deliver such a message, at least not at the start. The ratings-busting success of the 1965 Christmas special did such high numbers for CBS that the next year, the network wanted them to put, as they put it, another blockbuster. It was funny because they, they didn't know they were writing a blockbuster, says Gene Schultz, but it turned out to be wonderful. That's partly Sparky's attitude. You just keep doing it. And that dynamic between Schultz, Mendelssohn, and uh, Melendez, and to some extent, composer Vince Guaraldi, proved both fruitful and, luckily for all involved, fun. Good old Sparky. Sparky. We had complete freedom from the networks, which is unusual, obviously, to create whatever we wanted, remembers Mendelssohn. It was really three friends getting together for 40 years. It was a 40-year friendship that was creative as well. Everybody respected each other's turf. See, that's baller. Hell yeah. For The Great Pumpkin, Mendelssohn and Gene Schultz both remember that Charles Schultz was at the time amused by the idea that a little boy might mix up three closely occurring fall and winter holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas, and that he might earnestly but humorously confuse the uh, festive traditions of each. As Gene Schultz says, it started with Sparky with his kid mind thinking going on. Because that's that's really what it comes down to. It's like if you remain a child at heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it evolved into a universally impactful rumination on the nature of hope that continues to resonate with audiences. He always felt badly at Christmas time how a lot of little kids didn't get anything or expecting or hoping for more. And he was kind of showing that you don't always get what you want or you dream about, but you don't, you endure. It's true. Which is very true. Fucking A. You keep going and you don't give up, which is the point of Linus saying he'll be here next year. And every year with... Every reply and Linus again sees the, seeks the Great Pumpkin. What I've, what I've always interpreted is that Linus's belief drove him, and it didn't matter whether or not people believed it was true. Gene Schultz says, If you don't get what you want, it's alright because you still, have, you still have faith in whatever is driving this silly world. Yeah. Perhaps more importantly to its enduring legacy, the Great Pumpkin appeals to the sense of youthfulness in everyone. Johnson, who mentions... Uh, that the museum's pins of Charlie Brown's famed I Got a Rock line are always popular with guests uh, and says that the special's longevity and cultural impact is the essence of its relatability. It's fun and it's innocent and it's silly. Visually, everyone can see their own childhood Halloween in it. You know who I can see Halloween in? Who? Fatty. Yeah. The Fat in the Box. Annie Steinberg had almost finished recording all of her lines of dialogue as Sally when the producers received a call from her mother informing them that one of Kathy's teeth were loose. Fearing that a sudden lisp would ruin the continuity of her dialogue, the producers rushed the young actress into the studio to finish recording her lines. Just as Kathy was speaking her last line, the tooth came flying out of her mouth. Oh! Yeah, so they got real lucky. Nice. Mendelssohn said in an interview that some of the kids who watched felt so bad for Charlie Brown that they actually mailed candy and other gifts to CBS addressed to Charlie Brown. Which is nice. It is nice. You know? that's, that's such a sweet, innocent thing. Yeah. Uh, Snoopy didn't become the literal flying ace in the eyes of popular culture until he made his first appearance as such in the Great Pumpkin special. It featured Snoopy flying his doghouse and eventually crash landing behind enemy lines. 
Charlie Brown narrated the action because Snoopy doesn't speak in the animated specials, even though Snoopy narrated his own adventures in the comic strip. Snoopy, Snoopy's flying ace became one of his most famous alter egos, both on screen and in newsprint. He even became a good luck charm for the NASA astronauts during the Apollo space missions uh, and as an icon for the NASA safety crew. The crew of the Apollo 10 mission even bought even brought a painting of the flying ace with them into space. That's baller. Annie Altieri, who played both Violet and Frida, was so nervous to be part of the show that she threw up every time she was done recording. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was the first time Lucy snatched the book football from Charlie Brown in animated form. Oh. When Schultz, Mendelssohn, and Melendez were brainstorming scene ideas for the special, talk turned to the fact that Lucy's habit of folding the football away from Charlie Brown had never been seen in animation. The Great Pumpkins saga was adapted from Schultz's newspaper strip, where he had conceived it as a metaphor for some of the hope and disappointment uh, associated with Santa Claus. Yeah. Schultz disliked the idea kids heard of a jolly fat man who delivered presents all over the world when he knew many families could only afford one or two gifts for the holidays. Yeah. The Great Pumpkin is really kind of a satire on Santa... Satire? What is that? Like Santire? <laughs> Oh, Santa Satire Santor. Yeah. Santa Centaur. Centaur Santa. <laughs> God. That's a, that's a terrifying prospect. Like Alpine Hunger Force where Meatwad burns the skin off of Santa Claus and they have to regraft his skin as soccer balls. Holy shit. <laughs> He's like Look at me, kids kids are gonna be terrified. I'm horror claus. <laughs> uh uh, the Great Pumpkin, yeah, is a satire of Santa Claus, he told Mendelssohn. When he doesn't come, Linus is crushed. When Vince Giraldi was busy putting together the Great Pumpkin waltz for the show, he decided to break for a shower. When he came out, he thought he heard noises outside and went to investigate naked and locked himself out in the process. Whoops! Keyless, he tried climbing a ladder to the second floor window when the cops spotted him. <laughs> Don't shoot, he said, on the Great Pumpkin! Police, who were many months away from getting the joke, let him back inside. <laughs> uh, Lucy is reading an issue of the TV Guide, which featured herself on the cover. <laughs> this is the only special where Paypen is shown wearing glasses. You can see them where he is with the other kids at the Halloween party around the apple tub, just before Lucy bombs for an apple. For its 50th anniversary in 2016, it had a 6.5 uh, million viewership. Damn! Yeah. With that, we reached the end of a wild, wild October. I want to thank each and every one of you for taking time to enjoy the 13 days of Halloween. It's been a labor of love, and it was really fun to put together. Hell yeah, dude. If you like what we do here and you'd like to support us, you have a few options here. You can leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes slash Apple Podcast. You can follow us on all social medias. We are at Toys R Us Podcast across the board. Or you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash Toys R Us Podcast. Until next time, remember to check your candy. Despite the fact that the deaths that spurned that warning were propaganda and fear-mongering after a father killed his own children with poison. Yeah. And remember, you will always be a Toys R Us kid. Ain't nobody going to give you free drugs, kids. No. No.